0: the ARS Technicast, where we bring you the latest in the world of computing, technology, science, and everything else in between. During each episode, a group of ARS staffers will dig deep into some of the issues we've covered on the site. We'll also talk about some of the other stuff we are doing when we're not circling the ARS orbiting headquarters. I am your host, Senior Apple Editor Jackie Cheng, and on this week's show, we have Associate Writer Andrew Cunningham. Hello. Reviews Editor Flo Ion. Hello. And Social Editor Cesar Torres. Hello. So this week we're talking about CES. Um, CES just happened, started and concluded last week. And um, Andrew and Flo are two members of our team that we sent out to Las Vegas. And so uh, we just thought we'd have them on to talk about um, all sorts of stuff, like what was the most exciting? What was the weirdest thing? How do they feel about CES as a conference? Um so yeah, I guess we'll just jump right in. Um, what since you guys went, what did you think? You know, uh, being there in real life is different, I'm sure, than than observing it on the web like the rest of us. So, what did you think was the most interesting part of CS this year?
1: Well, uh, this is my first uh, my first time going, my first year, so I wasn't really sure what to expect. But <laughs> I think that. Um, Probably Qualcomm's keynote, which I was at, was probably the uh, the most unexpected thing that, that I that I saw when I was there. Uh, Qualcomm is a company that mostly makes chips that go in other people's products, so you don't really hear a lot about them. But I think they're trying to like build their brand and become a name that people know about. And so they just they had this keynote that was just all over the place. Like they they talked about uh, processors for a little while, and then uh, Big Bird was there. Uh, NASCAR person was there. Uh, Maroon Five was there. It was just like the whole time I was sitting there just as as guest after guest came out. Um I was wondering kind of who they intended this this keynote to be for.
0: <laughs> yeah, I um I we should talk about this more later, but it it seems like the Qualcomm keynote is like the main thing that everyone wants to talk about from CES. <laughs>
2: My question about it is: Was it weird enough? Because I, I really like <laughs> weird stuff, and if you make something really bizarro, you're having a, a blast because it's it's you know opening your eyes each second it goes by. How, how what what was it like for you?
1: Um, I I I don't know if it was weird enough. I think it was one of those things where the company is like trying to be hip and with it or something, and they just miss just 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 enough for it to for it to seem forced, you know. <laughs>
3: I had sort of a difficult time this year because a lot of the things that I found interesting were things that I saw in meetings. So a lot of I actually didn't get as much time on the show floor as everyone else, which uh, I was a little bummed about um, because I know there was a bunch of great stuff. I know that uh, there was a ton of new like interactive kids things to sort of like get kids into engineering and get kids into programming. You know their own toys and sort of. Uh, delving into this whole new world of, of tech that they might not have been able to uh, touch just yet. Um, I know there was a ton of uh, alternate like uh, mobile OSs uh, being shown off. There's uh, Firefox, and um, there was the Ubuntu phone, and I fortunately got to uh, play a little bit with the BlackBerry 10 um, new oper- operating system coming out soon. Um, but most of all, I think the show was just... It was a little disorganized this year, so it was it was really difficult to kind of cover all the ground that I wanted to, so I was a little disappointed by that.
2: Well, I think that's really neat that you have some experience to compare on what it was like. What made it um, different this year, less, disor- uh, less organized?
3: So this is my third year attending. My first time was in 2010, I believe. Um, sort of... One of the trends at CES is that uh, a lot of companies are now hosting meetings in hotel rooms, um, just in various hotels in the Strip, in the Vegas Strip, and uh, which is actually pretty big um, and pretty hard to get around uh, when you have all these taxis trying to uh, corral people here and there. So, I spend a lot of my time either in a taxi or waiting for an elevator to go up to a room and. Um, yeah, as you know, as I mentioned, that was it was really, really bumming out not being able to be on the show floor and see things.
2: As you were looking to make your plans for each day, uh, how do you how did you access that information? Did they have an app, or um, obviously you were with a team covering stuff? But um, was there anything different this year for how you get that info?
3: Um, a lot of the email blasts that go out sometimes. Uh, a lot of them weren't really pertaining to what I was trying to cover. So a lot of the meetings that I made were just me reaching out to PR and uh, a lot of my good PR contacts just calling me and saying, hey, let's meet up at CES. I have something new to show you. Um, but sometimes you you say yes to these meetings and you're not really sure what's going to crop up when you get there, So, which can be a bit of a letdown. Do
0: you ever find yourself um, like – cutting meetings short if it ends up being not what you expected. Like I know, you know, back in the day when I covered Macworld Expo more, like that was something, you know, sometimes you commit to it and then it ends up being, you know, just another pocketable hard drive or something. Yeah. I'm just asking mostly. <laughs> like how do you how do you deal with that when that happens?
3: Um, that's happened a couple of times. I try to ask for a sort of a I try to I try to ask the PR to be kind of um not super specific about what they're showing me, but I ask them, I go, can I write about this the minute I see it? And if they go, yes, then I will ask, okay, well, what is it in relation to... um, A lot of times PR will be very nice and say, well, we have a new RAID product coming out. We have, uh, you know, like, RIM reached out to me and was like, we really want to show you BlackBerry 10. I was like, all right, awesome. Um, But sometimes I plan meetings and then I get to this meeting and I find out that it's just like an incremental update to a hard drive that was released six months earlier and I'm like uh I'm really sorry but I got to cut this meeting short and then I feel really bad so
1: no I I usually can't do that to people I'll um (laughs) I'll sit through whatever they've got planned but usually if I want to cut a meeting short all I really have to do is not ask questions at the end because typically they're their spiels don't go on for very long. So especially if you're taking a meeting on the show floor, which, yeah, like Flo said, didn't seem like it happened a lot. It seemed like most of these people wanted to have their meetings offsite. But uh, if you were on the floor, you could just kind of politely listen and then uh, walk away and, and try and find something else to do.
0: <laughs> or
3: constantly you know, be pitched by people <laughs> as you're uh, yeah, walking everywhere.
0: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I feel like it's a, it's very similar with other conferences, I, I think. Um, same thing, you know, they, they really, I feel like there's a huge shift to doing more and more briefings in hotel rooms, or at least in hotel lobbies, compared to like on the floor these days. May just me.
3: Well, the only way I've ever seen any nice hotel is by taking a meeting in it, so I can <laughs> gladly say I've seen Vegas, and I've been in every nice hotel, and I even worked at the Cosmo for two hours the other day, because it's the freaking oh, nice. Cosmopolitan. <laughs>
0: so- I just stayed in the Cosmopolitan, and it is a very nice hotel. <laughs> Which hotel was your favorite, if you if you saw them all? Uh, I
3: think the Cosmo is my favorite, honestly, because I think it is the most hip uh, but the Venetian is, is a close second because of its—it's uh, it's just this really ridiculous display of beauty. <laughs> it's just so beautiful.
0: It's also huge. It like I—I I, I tried to yes. walk around there, and like you can't even see the whole Venetian if you're just wandering around aimlessly. Mm-hmm. It's—it's uh, kind of crazy.
1: No, that was the—that was the case with every hotel I was in there. Like I, I felt like people. You know, surely people have died trying to find their way out of this hotel.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure, probably. And then you get stuck, like, at the slots, and they all look the same, so you're just, like, walking in circles. (laughs) Yeah, or your coworkers try to teach you how to play blackjack. (laughs) Interesting CS stories.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we tried.
0: So, what did you feel like? Um, what did you feel like was missing from CES? Like, you know, I know that they try to put on a good show, and and conferences are hard. So, of course, you know, you try not to give them too much, too much shit for it. But what what did you think would make CES a better show?
1: I guess I felt like they were kind of missing their anchor. Like, they've had Microsoft there for so long, and Microsoft was such a big you know, is still a very big company with a lot of products that, that it that it has out. Uh, but, like, Microsoft wasn't there anymore. You know, Google doesn't go. Apple doesn't go. Uh, Amazon doesn't go. Like, you have all these big companies in tech who you hear about a lot and who we write about a lot on the site. But, um, you know, they, they don't really have a direct presence there. And so that, that kind of makes it feel uh, a little less important than it might, I guess.
3: Um, I just want to add, I'm – I'm kind of fairly new to to this world. I mean, I've only been around for maybe like four and a half, five years, and I've noticed the shift of CES. Used to be this huge trade show where, yes, like Andrew mentioned, like Microsoft and all these big names would be there, and it just it kind of feels like the products that are being mentioned they're surely innovative. Like all all this new all these new uh, TV technologies coming out very innovative but i don't know how immediately applicable they are like you know if microsoft were to come and if they would have done you know another just let's say a windows announcement like that's something that is is really relatable for the average consumer i just feel like fifteen thousand dollar tvs aren't (laughs) so
2: but in a way don't they provide some sort of uh Prognostic function where you can kind of say, well, maybe this is something to really look for at the consumer level, like affordable consumer level in a few years. I mean, was there anything there for you guys that got you excited about what could be possible in the future?
3: Uh, skinnier smartphones, definitely. <laughs> yeah,
2: tell us about that. Um,
3: like, Andrew and I were actually talking earlier today, we noticed there's this huge shift happening of everybody wants to have a 1080p phone now, and... um Companies like, and I, I might mispronounce this, uh, Huawei, <laughs> um, they're they're trying to gun for like the best of category for everything in in uh, smartphones. They got like they have the biggest the biggest uh, smartphone that they were displaying, which is a ginormous what six point one inch screen. They also I think announced one of the thinnest smartphones. Um, so it's just interesting innovation that I hope when it gets down to the consumer level will just it'll just be really
0: have like a nice medium at the end i'm a real sucker for skinny smartphones so
2: <laughs> me too
0: definitely interested
1: <laughs> but i feel like a lot of the tech like the 1080p display on on smartphones that you were just talking about flow um like 4k TVs uh the the various like bluetooth fitness accessories and things like that I think that they're kind of incremental and you know totally normal improvements that companies have to try and pass off as like life changing technological advancements just just because the the spectacle of the show is so big and the scale of the show is so big that incremental improvements don't really catch anybody's attention
3: and, and that was a theme across a lot of the keynotes that we went to um is everything was this is how our product is going to change your life. Sony's whole thing was about how all, you know, how all of its products are going to integrate into your life. LG and Samsung, their press conferences were like all about how the, you know, the apps on your refrigerator are going to help change your life. You know, this this TV <laughs> is going to change the way that you see things. It's just it's it's kind of extraordinary, but it's I don't know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, let's talk about the fridge for a second. Now that you now that you've mentioned it, um, now you know a bunch of us at ours sort of made fun of the fridge. Um, but seriously, actually, I want to know what the real pitch was for apps on your fridge. Is this mostly about like displaying data from these apps, or what? Or are you supposed to like use them on the fridge? I think it's all about uh, integrating this
3: data and having it uh, readily available on your fridge, so that. I think the best example was on the Samsung fridge when they were – yes, uh, yeah, I believe Samsung was the one who announced uh, Evernote on the fridge. That is definitely – I think uh, there's a lot of real-world application there because everyone uses Evernote for recipes, everyone that I know anyway. And it would be great it's to just true. be able to have the fridge – uh, dictate the recipe to me as I am trying to put it together rather than taking my flour-soaked hands and trying to scroll through on my iPad, which I do not want to dirty up anyway.
0: I'm sorry. Can the fridge dictate? Like, actually dictate it to you?
3: I actually don't know that, but that's
0: my uh- definitely my wish list. I wouldn't mind a fridge <laughs> that could dictate,
3: actually. I don't
1: know. I don't want some fridge telling me how to live my life. <laughs>
2: Siri tells you already. Why can't you have your fridge do it?
0: Andrew, there's too much much junk food in the fridge.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. But, but you know, I could see some cool applications. Like if you're doing a marinade or you're brining a turkey or whatever and you put it in there and it's supposed to be exactly 12 hours, I would like for the fridge to tell me, like, hey, don't forget to take this out.
3: Exactly. Or the other thing is that – I've noticed this because now that I'm like becoming more domestic, I actually go like appliance shopping, which I guess is what happens when you become an adult. And uh, I noticed that a lot of refrigerators aren't magnetic anymore on the outside. So nobody really uses magnets anymore for their things. And uh, so instead you would have a display on the refrigerator where you can write memos and you can have a calendar and you can... You know, do all sorts of, you know, have pictures cycling through while you're having a party with people over. I think I think there are real-world applications for a screen on on my fridge.
1: I mean, I know they make, like, magnetic cases for the iPad that you can stick on your fridge and you can just put your iPad in there. I kind of wonder why you wouldn't take, like, a $500 iPad and stick it to the fridge you already have rather than buying, like, I don't know what Samsung said their fridge costs, but I'm sure it's, you know, thousands of dollars.
0: That's a good point, though, because actually our fridge does not, um, isn't magnetic, so, like, we can't stick stuff on the fridge, which, uh, you know, I've lived in this place for, like, almost four years, and it still infuriates me to the day. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, actually, I... um, For a while, I was thinking about doing that. Like, I was like, "Oh, I have an old iPad. I could like come up with some contraption and put it on the fridge." But no, can't do that anymore. So, so maybe that is a good argument. You could glue it on there with a hot glue gun or something. I don't know. (laughs) Or build like a strap thing that like goes over the door. (laughs) A girdle for the fridge. Exactly. (laughs) So I know that. since we're kind of on the topic of like what was missing from CES like how you know there's lots of people who like to trash CES and um this is not the goal of this podcast to trash CES but you know what are how do you feel about it as a show like a trade show you know i feel like fewer people are going to trade shows and you know a lot of people are very cynical about the stuff that comes out of CES um and i know flo has some thoughts on that topic um so what do you guys think of that i think that Honestly, I, I feel like it's come to the point where
3: CES isn't like an open show that just anybody can go to. It's 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 not like Macworlds. It's pretty limited to uh, industry professionals and uh, the, those of us who cover them. Um, it would be nice to maybe open up the show floor to a couple more people than, than just those particular people because... They should be the ones who should kind of should get a hands-on with all the new technology. And you know, I mean, I'll I'll get the meetings with the PR anyway. I don't really need to go to the show to do that anymore. But uh, I, you know, it would be a nice thing for people to come and and do just kind of like Comic Con for all the techies.
0: What do you think, Andrew?
1: I mean, I, as as someone who hasn't been doing this like professionally for very long. I guess I found the show really useful as a way to network. Like there's there's like a PR barrier almost a little bit. Like you have the PR people who you correspond with over email and they're super nice and super helpful, but there's only like so much that they can do for you. And so a a show like CES if you if you make the right meetings and if you if you you know, schedule well, Like you can not only meet a lot of the PR people that you talk to over email in person, but you can also meet like their senior PR people or some actual like engineers, you know, people, people within the organization who can kind of serve as primary sources for stuff rather than having to funnel everything through the the PR person. So I definitely found it helpful, helpful in that way.
0: So you feel like you built better contacts than you would just kind of working, I guess, from home like we all do
1: normally. Yeah, I, I, th- I think so, and um, I think that it will help a lot with like future coverage of things. Like I talked with some great people from Intel and um, from Nvidia and from a few other companies, and I think those those contacts are going to you know greatly improve our access to information from them and you know the coverage that we put up on the site about their products so that's definitely that's definitely good stuff even though if there wasn't a ton of stuff at the show itself or like on the floor itself that that would make like an awesome article for our readers
0: do you feel like that all the outsiders who make fun of ces are are wrong and haters or like how do you how do you interpret that as someone who's (laughs) actually going to ces
1: I guess I I think it is what you put into it. Like if you get good meetings and if you target your coverage well, then you can get stuff out of it. But if you just go and say, you know, I'm going to wander the floor for four days and see what happens, you know, you you have a, you have a smaller chance of, of covering anything good or like getting one-on-one time with somebody who really has in-depth knowledge of, of the stuff that your readers care about.
3: I'm going to gripe really quickly and say that um, I don't, think that non-journalists and non-industry professionals really understand the amount of work it takes to cover this kind of trade show because it is freaking massive. I mean, the Las Vegas Convention Center is the size of, what, three football fields? It's just that alone. Plus, you have all of these different hotels where meetings are happening. A busy, bustling city with lots of people and um, not enough time to sleep. Sometimes you don't drink or eat enough. I mean, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of work to get all that information out there.
0: Yeah, I I think that's definitely something that people don't think about with all kinds of shows that people cover. Um, so yeah, it's definitely the regular person gets to sit back and read the coverage, but doesn't have to you know trek across across all of las vegas for like five days <laughs> right
1: and if you're gonna try and cover everything comprehensively it t- it just takes an unbelievable amount of manpower like i talked to people from publications who had sent like 60 people 90 people and you know those aren't all writers a lot of those are like uh camera people and and just video crews and and things like that but uh yeah, like for a publication our size sending sending 8 people, like you you, you just kind of have to get good meetings and hope that hope that you come away with something good cuz you're not going to see everything.
3: This is the first time by the way I ever went to CES with a large group of people and I have to say that it was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was great being surrounded by uh so many of my coworkers and and being able to like meet up after the show and and sort of talk about what we saw and also commiserate together with how tired we were and and but also being able to bounce ideas off each other and, and um and you know, take meetings for each other and things like that. It's it's kind of CES is quite the bonding experience. Um Yeah.
1: <laughs> the trial by fire and yes.
0: it's kind of like going through war together, you know, and then yes. and then you always have this experience with one another. Um oh, I think for yes, us especially for, like, ours, you know, since we have a virtual office, we don't see each other very often at all. So, like, you know, any chance you get to hang out with your coworkers is always always nice.
3: And if you bit. end up
1: losing all your money at the blackjack table.
3: Yeah, I w- It was it's very <laughs> exciting being around everyone because it's true. You don't see everybody and whenever we're online, we're always in work mode and then when we see each other, it's like, holy crap. That's right. You exist. You're a real person. You have a body. You're an organic matter.
1: <laughs> you look different than your Twitter picture, I think, is <laughs> is what you said to me when I came down, down to the lobby the first day.
0: You think so? I think Andrew looks – I think you look exactly like your Twitter picture.
1: Well, thank you, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> hmm.
0: <laughs> so it sounds like – I mean, you guys would go next year then without – Without a complaint, <laughs> how do you, I mean, you know, considering, like Andrew said, you know, considering that there's no real anchor, I mean, do you feel like it's still worthwhile to keep going to?
3: Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, just keeping up with what all the smaller companies are, are up to is, I think, still just as important as paying attention to what Microsoft and NVIDIA are doing. Um, not that Microsoft's there anymore, but you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, I mean I think a lot of the smaller companies that are there, the Qualcomm's and the uh the Nvidias and and the other people are, you know, their chips are going to end up in the in the products that the big guys make. Like um I met with the people who do the graphics processors for all of the iOS devices, for example. So like knowing knowing what's in the guts of those products is is just as important, you know, from our end as as the products themselves.
2: You know, I think it's neat that uh, that you guys got to be there. I'm jealous that, that uh, you got to see each other in person. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm always a bit of a, a voyeur when it comes to how people are using technology. And in this case, uh, I'm curious about what the journalists who were there were using to cover stuff. Because we did a post on the site where we talk about what was in each of your bags as you headed to the, to the event. But uh, as you... Looked around. Did you see anything interesting or any sort of trend on what people were using to cover this stuff? I mean, it's probably a lot of cameras and stuff, but uh, anything interesting out of that? You know, I
1: I saw, and our readers like to give us a lot of crap for this, as as you can see in the comments for that CES gear post. But you know, I saw a lot of MacBooks and MacBook Airs, but. I, I also saw, you know, a good variety of things. Like somebody sitting next to me in one of the presentations was like taking notes on a Windows eight tablet with uh with a stylus, for example. So um y I mean you definitely get a get a you get to see a lot of the stuff in the wild that you don't normally get to see if you just go to like Starbucks or something. Because uh these these people are generally like more adventurous in their in their technology
2: choices. And the thing too is that you know when you're in a conference situation and you're the media covering it you're in like super high efficiency mode meaning you brought the tiniest stuff uh, that you could possibly carry that will do the most for you so if you need to switch to your cms and take some photographs and switch in a sd card hopefully you brought the right gear so i'm always just curious about uh what some of that stuff is but i imagine a lot of uh A lot of people might take notes now electronically.
3: I I do want to add um, sort of still on topic is that I saw a lot of people with uh, Galaxy Note 2s just taking pictures with them. Um, interesting. it was very interesting just seeing people walking around, uh, with those big phablet looking things and, uh, <laughs> le- yeah, Cesar, they were using them to, to take notes, um, to record things, to snap pictures. Cool. A lot of people are using their iPhones to snap pictures. Um, I, no- I'm noticing that, and this is actually something I noticed too last night with the Golden Globes is a lot of outlets are now using Instagram to document, um, to document their uh, trade shows and things like that. So a lot of new media. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: it's kind of amazing how many traditional reporting tools the smartphone has replaced in, in in such a short amount of time. I mean, we've only had the modern smartphone since 2007 or so. But yeah, I, had, I was still you know, using
3: reporters' notebooks in J-School, and that was not too long ago. That was only right. four years ago.
1: Yeah, but like I, uh, you know, checking email, of course, you know, keeping track of appointments, but also doing voice recordings of interviews, you know, scribbling down notes in one of the note taking apps. And I had my, you know, my big Canon T3i that I used for most of my pictures of the shows and stuff. But if I just wanted to snap a quick picture of, you know, this or that gadget, you know, it was just as easy to whip the phone out and do it and still get a decent result that you could use on the site most of the time.
0: Do you guys see at the keynotes like people using tablets as like in the keynotes? Because I feel when I cover Apple stuff, I feel more and more I see people actually trying to do their coverage in the keynote, like on an iPad, which I to me is crazy, and I love the <laughs> iPad. Um, but I know, do you guys see that? Um, I think it's. Be- I think it's because the iPad actually has compatible
3: Bluetooth keyboards for it that are really comfortable. I know all of Logitech's are amazing, as I've I've used quite a couple of them. Um, I don't know that that's the case for the other tablets that are out there. Honestly, I mean the Nexus 7 is kind of small.
1: Yeah, I mean any Bluetooth keyboard will tether, but I think more effort has been made to make like cases and things for the iPad that has uh, that have like integrated keyboards into them.
0: So you guys don't see people like trying to type keynote notes or anything on like a Surface or anything like that? Well, the
1: Surface is did... something – yeah, because it has like Word. But I didn't – no, I didn't see a lot of <laughs> like Nexus 10s or Nexus 7s or iPads mm-hmm. like out on people's laps while while they were trying to cover the presentations.
3: I should add right. that the bathroom attendant at one of the restaurants we were at was
0: uh, reading a – on a Nexus 7, it was – it's pretty neat. I'm just going to add that. <laughs> the bathroom attendant, that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, which apparently you're there. supposed to tip oh, wow. them. You're supposed to tip them. So, Oh, I know. <laughs> yes.
1: It's,
0: I feel it's... like I never have money when I'm like mm-hmm. in there and then I always feel bad cuz I can't tip them. So then mm-hmm. I'm like a the jerk who isn't tipping.
1: But like you didn't ask him to come in there and stand while you like went to the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's, it's, bathroom it's attendance. A,
1: yeah, it's I a weird, know. it's a weird relationship. And maybe, but I thought, yeah.
2: I thought you had to tip when you actually accepted their services for like the the, the towels or uh, gum. Or oh, she
3: handed me a towel and I took a couple mints. Oh,
2: so there you go. Yep. I didn't use the
3: hairspray or the perfume though, and they had some good
2: perfume, like they had shell. <laughs> oh, I didn't even
1: see if yeah. they had mints. I feel like I missed out now
2: obligated (laughs) yeah
0: i I feel like you don't even have the option to get your own paper towel anymore so it's like you have to accept their services on some level
1: you just have to run out of the bathroom with wet hands
3: i wonder if that makes it more
0: sanitary (laughs) (laughs) oh man so which um this is not exactly ces related but now i'm all curious which hotel did you guys stay in Las Vegas Hotel slash formerly Las Vegas Hilton, I think. Oh. Yes. Cool.
1: Yeah. I've never been there. (laughs) (laughs) It was fine. It was not as as labyrinthine as some of the some of the other hotels we were in, but it was a little a little old, a little shabby around was, the edges. It was
3: connected to the convention center, so we had a lot of that ah. convention center runoff. And I swear, 7.30 in the morning, the freaking coffee line is like all the way half down the hall. I just want some coffee and my almond croissant.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, and I'd never been to Vegas before. And one thing that really like floored me about the city was just the scale of it and how flat everything was and how far you could see. And so, even though you know, even though our hotel was right next to the convention center, it was still like a mile walk almost if you wanted to get to like the main floor from the front door of the hotel.
2: Oh my yeah. god! Some calories. Vegas like is
0: all spread out too. So, like, yeah, like you said, like even if it's connected, it could be forever, you know, to get somewhere. Um, that's the thing that people are always complaining about when it comes to CES: is that they're just walking and walking and walking.
2: Now, Flo, did you uh, find your yoga class? I know you were tweeting about this before you left.
3: I had absolutely no time to do any yoga, which is really unfortunate. But they do have uh, free yoga at the Encore in the mornings. So oh, nice. if anybody needs to do yoga while they're in Vegas, I definitely, when I go for my <laughs> Vegas weekend, which we try to do like once a year because we have family that stays there, I'm definitely going to... Uh, to utilize that next time
2: yeah i you know for any mega conference type event or a trade show you know you you have huge plans to like i'm gonna go to the gym and Mm -hmm. i will do all this stuff and and the best i've ever done was a 20 minute run once during like a you know six day event And then after that, everything just kind of starts dipping and dipping and dipping.
3: I'm so jealous of the people that can – I used to have coworkers that would like work out and then just like roll into the show floor and I can live and everything is cool. I did my run this morning and I'm like (laughs) so tired and exhausted and where do you people get this energy? I do want to mention that those people are not journalists. So
2: (laughs) that might be the key.
0: So thank you guys for being on the show. Uh, you know, For those of us who go- don't go to CES, like I've never been to CES. I think it's always interesting to talk to people who have been there and been on the front lines. So um, thank you, Flo and Andrew. Thank you for having us. Yes. <laughs> and um, in the after show, which we will get to in just a second, I totally want to find out what your craziest, um, your the craziest thing from the Qualcomm keynote. Um, <laughs> So thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, And as usual, if you really like the podcast, it would be a huge help if you could leave us feedback on iTunes and rating on iTunes. Or, you know, if you want to just leave us feedback, you can leave us feedback on the site or email us. And um, we will definitely listen to your comments. So thank you very much. Bye. Andrew, I was going to ask: Would you uh,
3: would you compare Qualcomm's keynote to uh, Britney Spears' comeback at the uh, what was it two thousand eight VMAs?
2: The VMAs. <laughs> I, I'm
1: I'm afraid I, I I am not familiar with uh, with the particular pop culture reference that you're making.
0: Sorry. <laughs> I I don't either. If that makes you feel better, oh, right. it, it, <laughs> it was legendary. I, I tried to hit, I tried to hit hard with that one. It didn't work. <laughs>
2: No, I'm sorry that I fumbled. It was legendary. (laughs) Uh, Let let me just shed some light on this. You know, Britney had been... She'd had some personal problems. Mm -hmm. I think this was around the K-Fed time, Mm -hmm. right? When she was with Kevin Mm -hmm. Federline. And she came back (laughs) as part of her comeback and she opened up the show. So she gets to perform the first song, uh, Give Me More. And she, first of all, didn't dance like she normally does. And then... Uh, she got just railed by everybody for coming back a little bit overweight, like not being the usual uh, shape that she was in. Uh, but when you watch it, it's almost as if she's like in a, some sort of daze. It, I mean, you can <laughs> find it on YouTube. We're, we're not going to link to it, but um, check it out. And uh, it's weird. There is a weirdness to it. <laughs>
0: all right so that's basically what this was like it was just weird yeah that's <laughs>
1: what <was, yeah>. yeah, <laughs> i was just trying like a stream to stream <laughs> of consciousness like a, a boardroom full of like 50 somethings all trying to come up with like the coolest stuff that they knew <laughs> and it didn't end up playing out very well on the stage
0: did you guys how much money did you lose I actually
1: gambling. I did not. Andrew made anything. a lot of
0: money. Andrew made
3: a lot
1: of money. went to when you went to bed. I had made a lot of money. Uh, by the time I went to bed, I had lost all the money. That I
3: made. Did you oh, lose no. all that? Did you lose the black chip?
1: Yeah, I lost my hundo. Like, I, oh my
3: god.
1: Well, okay. Here's how it went. Like, I got eighty dollars. <laughs> I got eighty dollars out of the ATM. I was high rolling for a bit. I made like two hundred dollars, and then. I lost a little, I cashed out at 90, I cashed back in, and then I lost at 90. So I didn't actually lose anything, and I drank for free all night, but I didn't really win anything either.
0: <laughs> well, that's okay. Well, that makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least you didn't actually you lose any real money.